Good morning, y'all. Okay, so while I'm getting situated, take 10 seconds, discuss among your tables whether Mike Wazowski blinks or winks. Okay, did y'all come up with a conclusion? Yeah? Okay, how many thinks he blinks? Okay, how many thinks he winks? I have no answer to this question, so good job with your opinions. Okay, y'all. So, this is our ninth lesson on the Sermon on the Mount. So, that is traditionally taught as Matthew 5 through 7. Um, And we decided to call this series, as you can see, Life Upside Down. Hey, Catherine, is there a bit of a ringing? No? Okay, I'm just hearing that. That's cool. So, we decided to call this series Life Upside Down. And that is because throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about what it means to live in his kingdom, the kingdom of God. And this kingdom isn't like any other earthly kingdoms that we've seen. It's completely different, just based on how Jesus tells us to live. So for example, our culture tells us, gain as much power as you can, gain as as much reputation as you can. Jesus tells us, humble yourself and serve others. Our culture also tells us, You've got this. You're all you need. Jesus tells us, humble yourselves. You can do nothing to save yourselves. I am everything you need. So it's just completely so upside down from what our culture tells us. But this is what Jesus is calling us to live in. Um, So throughout the sermon, we see Jesus describing stuff like that of how we should live and what it means to live in his kingdom. Um, And he does that usually by presenting a series of choices to the listener, um, such as choosing what we treasure. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about treasuring God or treasuring money. You can't have two masters. It won't work. As the scripture tells us, you're either going to love one or hate the other. You can't pursue both. And today we'll wrap up by looking at the final section of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Now, just so y'all know, some people consider the Sermon on the Mount already ended, um, but we're looking at it as if this is the wrap-up of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, So we're going to see that Jesus illustrates a final choice to to the people he's talking to, and he's going to give them three sets, or three pairs, that he lists out to illustrate this choice. So, jumping in, Matthew 17, 13 through 14. Oh, and before I move on any further, um, these passages have some kind of tricky language in them. So, in case I mess up, at no point am I ever saying that we can earn our salvation by works, ever. So if you think you hear me say that, I misspoke. I'm sorry. So, with that, Matthew 7, 13 through 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. So here Jesus gives us this this picture of these two paths. One's really wide, lots of people on it, lots of people on it. One's really narrow, and comparatively, there's not that many people on it. And he says the wide one's really easy to travel, and the narrow one's not so easy to travel. Now, It's pretty obvious what he's talking about. The narrow path is salvation. Few find it. 
while the wide path is eternal separation from, from Christ, which we know to mean hell, a life in hell. And what Jesus is doing here is he's ultimately giving his listeners a choice to respond to him and follow him. So he's been setting this up through the entire Sermon on the Mount. He's been saying, this is how you live out your life. This is what it means to follow me. And now he's saying, you have this choice. You can either do it, you can follow this narrow path that I'm setting before you, or you can stay on the easy path. Um, However, how many of y'all like making choices in life? Okay, not a lot, not a lot of y'all. So, sometimes choices are really fun to make. Sometimes you get to pick what type of birthday party you're going to have. Other times they're not so fun. Um, Like choosing whether to pay a mortgage or paying some other bill. Hopefully none of y'all get ever, ever get in that spot, but sometimes choices aren't that fun. And a lot of times when we get to hard choices, we want to find a third way. We want to find a way that's like, I don't really like those two options, so how about I just kind of create my own? But here's the thing. With this choice, Jesus doesn't give a third option. There's no little middle dirt path in the road that you can make for yourself there's no way to make this narrow path wider. There's no way to make it easier. You're either on this narrow path or you're on this wide path. And Jesus makes that abundantly clear. He doesn't leave any room for anyone else to come in and say, but you could go to heaven this way. You could live your life this way. No. Jesus makes sure that we know there's only one way, and that is through him. Um, so, At first glance, when I read this passage, um, at first, it kind of seemed like Jesus was saying that this narrow path is this list of rules that you're having to follow, and that's what leads you to salvation. But I assure you, that's not what Jesus is saying at all. Because there's several other places in Scripture that show him saying, I'm the only way. You can only get through me by trust—sorry, get to heaven by trusting in me, by my grace— But then that also leaves all these other things that Jesus said that we should do in the Christian life. So where do those come into play? So I would present to you that Jesus is our only way to heaven, that through our relationship with him, that is the only way. But then because of that grace that we've received, the love, we willingly turn around and say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. I will do everything that you've commanded me to do. And I would submit to you that Jesus cannot be Lord of your life and you not do what he says. All that, if, someone, if you make something the Lord of your life, you gladly do everything that they say. Not, not kind of mumble and complain. So if Jesus isn't, if he is the Lord of your life, that's why we follow him. That's why we do what he, what he says because of the great love that he's shown for us. And kind of how that plays out in our own lives, um, I referenced Matthew 16, 24. There's not a slide, Catherine, so um, don't try and find it. So Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So following Jesus looks like 
denying ourselves, dying to ourselves. Our ways, what we want, gone. We're following him. And scripture does, does tell us that as we're pursuing God, this relationship, what we start to want what he wants. Which, I don't know about y'all, but I think it's so cool. Jen Wilkins says it like this. The narrow road is not about, sorry, it's not about what you are choosing, but about who you are becoming. So, you can kind of think of it this way. This narrow road, we're becoming like Christ. This wide road, we're becoming more like ourselves. We're coming deeper into what we want. Whereas in this narrow road, we're going deeper into what Christ wants for us. And unfortunately, the reality is that those, that the many that are on this wide road, Scripture tells us it leads to destruction. A life eternally separated from God. And if you'll flash back to the beginning of um, the Sermon on the Mount, um, we were talking about the Beatitudes. And one of them was, blessed are the poor in spirit. And Dave taught us that what that means is we can do absolutely nothing to save ourselves. Absolutely nothing. The only thing that you could even kind of attribute to us is trusting in God. But that's it. We take that leap of faith. We trust him. So, in verses 15 through 19, Jesus continues by saying, Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. So, does it seem kind of random to y'all that Jesus is talking about salvation, then all of a sudden he hops into false prophets? Maybe? I think they're connected great. Think about it. Jesus is saying, I'm the only way to heaven. And then he goes, but other people, they might try and tell you otherwise. So it's really cool to see how Jesus has weaved this entire Sermon on the Mount together. It's not a, it's not a bunch of random points, but they're all connected together. Um, so what are some of these false teachings that Jesus is warning us about? And let's also, let's also think about this. Jesus is warning us, which means he knows they're going to be there, so they exist. This isn't like some boogeyman that would be like, oh, that's just a story. False teachers don't exist. They exist, unfortunately. But Jesus is warning us to be on guard about them. So some of the things that's some of the things that we might hear false prophets teach. Jesus isn't the only way to heaven, but just one of the ways. So you'll hear this within Christianity, and you also hear it from other religions saying, 
that Christianity isn't the only religion that can get you to heaven. But Jesus tells us that's not true. Another one is that we must earn our salvation by doing X, Y, and Z things. Maybe reading our Bible, praying, going to church. Or really anything that adds anything to the, to the gospel. That takes away from it, says you have to do this and that and this. Really anything that adds to it is what Jesus is telling us to be careful of. So, Jesus describes that these false teachers are ravaging wolves. Which means wolves are dangerous. Very dangerous. And he says that they're in sheep's clothing. Which means a false prophet isn't going to stand before you and be like, by the way, what I'm telling you, don't listen to it. It's lies. They're not going to do that. No, they're going to say things that sound biblical, probably use a few scripture verses, maybe probably twist them out of context, to make it sound good, to make it sound like they know what they're talking about. And I present to you that that's one of the reasons it's so important to have a personal knowledge of the Bible, to, to sit down and study it, really know what it means. Again, that in and of itself will never earn you salvation. You will never be able to read your way into heaven or study the Bible your way into heaven. But knowing scripture, knowing what it says, it's definitely a tool to be able to point out what they're saying doesn't exactly line up with with what the Bible's saying. Okay. So, after warning us how to, um, sorry, after warning us to be wary of false teachers, Jesus then kind of starts describing how to recognize them um, and how to deal with them. So, verse 16 describes that we will be able to recognize them by their fruit. Um, So, are any of y'all into agriculture, farming, anything like that? Okay, so... If you, if you plant an apple tree, what type of fruit is that going to grow? Yeah, Evan, good luck with that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to grow apples. <laughs> so, it is impossible for an apple tree to grow an orange. It's not going to happen. You can wait all you want, but it's not happening. The same is true for us. The same is true for us. We may be able to fake it for a time. We may be able to make it look like I'm this good Christian person. But eventually, our fruit's going to show for what we are, for what's in our heart. Same with teachers. Those those teaching. Eventually, you're going to be able to see what's in their heart by what fruit they're bearing. And hopefully that fruit is what's described in Galatians 22, the fruit of the Spirit. But in the case of false teachers, that's not going to be it. And and Jesus knows this, and that's why he's saying, be on your guard. Now, 
Jesus isn't here saying, go on a witch hunt for every single person that speaks to you. He's not doing that at all. But he is saying, be, be weary. Be on the lookout. So he keeps moving on, and so those of y'all that are into agriculture and stuff like that, if you have a sick plant next to all these healthy ones, what do you do with that sick plant? Pull it out, yeah. What? Evan says to burn it. Might be kind of extreme, but yeah. Or is that what you actually do? I'm not, in, I'm not into agriculture. No, you don't burn it? Okay, cool. So, but yeah, you pull it out, you get rid of it. Or else, what is it going to do? Kill the other plants. Yeah, it's going to infect them. And that, then that infection will spread from that one to two to all of them. Same true with false teachers. And we'll see later on how Jesus tells us to deal with confrontation, um, but we're not going to get into that right now because that's a totally different lesson. But, but he does tell us to deal with them. So in verse 21 through 23, Jesus then immediately moves on from false teachers that led others astray to people who led themselves astray. And it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. I don't know about y'all, but when I read, when I read that, if at first you're not really understanding the context, it's kind of terrifying, isn't it? You're like, wait, did Jesus just say we're not all saved? But that's not really what he's saying. Well, he is, but not everyone. So, <laughs> but what he's saying is that there are, some, there are some people who have deceived themselves into believing that they're putting their faith, their trust into Jesus, when in reality... It's in themselves. They're doing all these things in his name. It says they did some great things. Um, they did not prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name. But Jesus tells them, I never knew you. You were doing all of this for yourselves, not for me. So, in a way, yes, Jesus is, is saying that, but it doesn't take away that Jesus is our only way to heaven. That if we are trusting in him, if our foundation is built on him, if we have that personal relationship with him, that he is the one and only way to heaven. But unfortunately, some of us per pervert that. We try and start doing things for ourselves. And even in his name. But Jesus will say, I never knew you. So, starting in verse 20. Sorry, I think I missed something. Nope, that was it. Okay, cool. Um, so going into verse 24. Okay, so I'm going to read a little bit until I get to something really important. Then we're going to stop. Okay, sound good? Cool. Therefore, stop. Yep, it's important. So, a little trick for y'all. If y'all didn't already know this, anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible... Ask, what's the therefore, therefore? 
because it's there for a reason. So, <laughs> yes, therefore, <laughs> I will go into my next point. So, yeah, that word, what it's doing is it's, indi- is it's saying, because of all of this over here, this. So, whenever we see the Bible say therefore, we need to go and say, okay, what's it referring to over here, and how does that relate to this? So, what that therefore is saying is because of the entire Sermon on the Mount, this three-chapter teaching that Jesus just gave, this. And what this is, is Jesus saying, where is it? Okay. Um, Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded the houses. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. And it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not their scribes. So Jesus is saying, if you're taking all of this seriously, the Sermon on the Mount that I just gave, I'm going to be your foundation. That's what the wise person does. Makes, make, me, make me, make Jesus your foundation. But he then says, he then compares it to the fool who builds his house on the sand. Which we all know what happens in the song, which, by the way, how many of y'all, whenever y'all read this verse, the song immediately pops into your head? Thank you. Okay. I'm not alone. Because that was definitely playing in my head like the entire time I was reading over this passage. So, Yeah, Jesus makes this comparison of him being the solid rock, the foundation of our faith. Whereas other things that we try and build our faith on, whatever they may be, as soon as those storms come, as soon as they hit, they're washed away. It says they fell with a great crash. And let me tell you, if you're trusting in something else, if you're putting your faith in something else, whenever it comes crashing down, that crash will be great. It will send a tidal wave through your life. Um, I've only gotten to speak on Sunday mornings once for high school before, um, but most of y'all were in New York. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, Baltimore. Um, so, and that was for my life, my life story. So one of the things I talked about in there was how I grew up in, I grew up in church, um, Pretty much any time the church doors were open, I was there. Um, eventually, I even found out the code to get into the church, so I could be there even when the doors weren't open. My youth minister knew. It was okay. So, <laughs> anyway. Um, so, after high school, I went straight into being a youth intern at my church, and I loved it. It was great. I thought that that was my place, that and that church is where I was going to be, but... Eventually, all of that came crashing down. A lot of bad things happened in that church, and um, I left. And I eventually figured out I was putting my faith in people. I was putting my trust in people. 
and it wrecked me. So let me tell you, if you're putting your faith in other people, if you're building your foundation not on Christ, you might want to take a long, hard look at your life. Not because of the wreckage that will come, but because of the joy of knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, don't get me wrong. Avoiding that wreckage is nice. But Jesus also tells us there will be storms. There will be trials in life. So, so I urge you all to take a look at your lives. Ask yourself, what path am I traveling? Am I on this wide path that's living for myself? Am I on this narrow path that's living for Jesus, that's pursuing him with all I am? And today, if you don't know, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to talk to one of our leaders. Because you can have a personal relationship with him. You can talk to me. You can talk to any of the leaders in here. We would love to talk to you. You can probably even talk. There's probably several students in here who will talk to you also. I know most of y'all can give a gospel presentation from, from Impact, so. So, then we close out with verses 28 and 29. And so now it's no longer Jesus talking, um, but it's saying that the crowd was amazed by what he just taught. And that they're comparing him to the scribes and saying, when they teach, they don't have this authority. But, this, but Jesus, he does. He teaches with such authority. We look at it now and be like, well, yeah, he, he's God. He can, he can do that. But Jesus is the only one with the authority, with the power that can save you, that can save me, and he wants to have that personal relationship with you. So um, before we close out, I'm going to pray. And y'all have questions on your tables. Um, I'm really sorry. I forgot to email them out, leaders, so my bad. Um, yeah. Um, Let's see, do we have a leader at every table? Can y'all stand up real quick? Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to pray us out real quick, and then uh, y'all can get started on your questions. Dear God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the chance to come here and learn more about you, Father. Um, I thank you that we can freely pursue you without fear of persecution. Um, and that we can come here in a community of believers to help build each other up. Um, I pray that if we're not fully trusting in you, not fully leaning on you, not fully pursuing you, Father, that you would work in the hearts, that you would work in our hearts, um, that you would be our foundation, what we're building our lives on. In Jesus' name, amen.